Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is James Schmattenberger. He is CEO at Mankind. He's also working with a new startup we're going to talk a little bit about. We're going to hear about exciting stuff. Those that know James, he's been involved in the cannabis industry and lots of different businesses we're going to hear about. But I'm excited to have him on because he really has a different perspective or at least a perspective around building business, which I think is going to be really important for the cannabis space, which is really focusing on what is the customer experience like? How are the people being served? What are our intentions there? How do we build a business around a set of intentions in that sense? You know, a lot of folks are focused on, obviously, the financial outcomes, the compliance outcomes, but I think it's one thing that we're not, or at least many companies are not doing a great job of right now, or at least are not focused on. And I think James has got some of the interesting ideas and perspective, and I'm excited to talk about it. With that, James, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. It's great to be on. Yeah. So let's do a little bit of background first before we kind of dig into sort of our topics. Tell us a story. How did you get involved in these different groups? How did you get involved in cannabis? What was your kind of business intentions? Give us the story. Yeah, absolutely. So cannabis was not on my radar for most of my life as a mm-hmm. thing that I would be heavily involved in. But 
I spent most of my life having a very deep focus and interest in all forms of alternative medicine. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I was a bit younger, I had, was running a vocational college that taught programs in alternative medicine and alternative psychology. And I did that for quite a number of years. And during that time, I started to hear people talking about the medicinal effects of cannabis. And, you know, initially, I mostly thought that was just stoners trying to justify because <laughs> it, it really just wasn't something I had any real understanding of. But over time, some of my teachers at the school, particularly ones that taught things in and around like herbology, nutrition, biochemistry, started having deeper conversations with me about it. And I realized that there actually was a meaningful medicinal application, which started to really pique my interest. And so around 2009, I was in the process of exiting that school and deciding where I wanted to put my attention next. And I had been putting quite a bit of thought and research into cannabis in the months leading up to it. So I ended up then launching my first dispensary here in the San Diego area in 2009. And that was sort of the start of it. But I then got pulled pretty deeply into the industry in ways that I hadn't anticipated. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up with a very strong activist orientation. Okay. As a kid, I was you know doing door-to-door fundraising for Greenpeace and used to raise money for HRC. And like I've always had a activism as sort of a core element of who I am. Mm-hmm. And particularly the industry back in those days needed a lot of activism. You know, things yeah. have advanced dramatically over this last 11 years. But back then, I remember you know, after opening the dispensary, I'd have people coming in that were in life and death kinds of situations around the necessity to use cannabis and, you know, many more that were in quality of life situations where it was like yeah. either use cannabis or be so heavily drugged out on opiates that they didn't have an experience of life. Yeah. And yet there was still so much fear of people being able to use it because of all the stigmas and still the pretty undeveloped laws. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that kind of sparked the activism side of me, which caused me to start to get involved in the public education side of the industry. Okay. Um, I ended up, well, I initially was planning on just doing a few like short videos on the medicinal effects of cannabis, but <laughs> as we dove into yeah. it, that project just sort of rolled and rolled and ended up becoming a full documentary that we released in 2011 that kind of went viral around the world. Yeah. And then as that, as people's minds started to change, then it helped, had me realize that, there was a policy element that had to get adapted because even though people were starting to have more social acceptance around cannabis, there wasn't access. So then that drove me into the political side of the industry, started forming trade associations and PACs and working on developing legislation. And from there, just sort of, I got deeper and deeper involved, both running a lot of the legislative projects and then helping to build various businesses throughout the space and it became a pretty deep passion of mine that I've been engaged in now for over a decade. Yeah. And I'm curious about that process. I mean, do you feel like this was a calling or was it like a pull? Was this internally motivated or externally motivated in terms of like as you got into these different projects and different businesses? I guess, where, where did you see the motivation coming from? It's a great question. Yeah, I think it was largely an internal motivation, though definitely mm-hmm. sparked from external circumstance. Yeah. You know, 
like I mentioned, the, that activist orientation has kind of always been core to mm-hmm. how I identify. And so seeing the damage that was existing from prohibition caused a very powerful internal motivator for me to want to have as much impact yeah. in that as I possibly could. And yeah. part of that was driven by the medicinal side of things and recognizing, especially as I dove deeper and deeper into the research, how profoundly effective cannabis could be for many different conditions. Mm-hmm. And so wanting to increase its accessibility in that regard. But then, you know, that also started to drive study of all the other areas. And so I started to look heavily at the sort of judicial side of the industry and seeing how unfairly a lot of the laws were being implemented. Yeah. And then, you know, just incredible numbers of people that were in prison for crimes that should have never been crimes in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that became a deep motivator to continue down the political side I'm trying to work on judicial reform because I never enjoyed politics, but it was something that just became a relevant necessity for trying to have those impacts. And then kind of continuing to look at it, you know, I started to get more and more of an understanding of the environmental implications of more of the industrial hemp side of the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, then there just ended up being all of these like slew of deep motivators between wanting to help people from, a medicine standpoint, wanting to help do judicial reform and stop people going to prison for dumb reasons, and then yeah. also wanting to be able to drive forward legislation that could allow for industrial hemp production so that that could start to be used in place of traditional plastics and fuels and things like that. Obviously, there's still a lot of ways to go on some of those fronts, but yeah. I've been really delighted to watch how much progress has happened over the course of the last decade or so. Yeah, it's interesting. Like on one hand, you could look at it and be very frustrated <laughs> on kind of how much progress we still have to make, <laughs> but you can also look at it and just realize like we've gone from basically, you know, things being illegal to now being declared essential services or, you know, essential businesses. So, we've made a lot of progress, but, you know, yes, there's there's more to go. Tell us a little bit. I guess how have you balanced the, you know, kind of the business side, the dispensary, you know, human kind cooperative, you know, kind of the work you're doing in the business side with more of the activist, more of the kind of legislative, focusing on the kind of the politics side of cannabis, where I guess, how do you balance your time? How do you balance your focus and energy? Is that even something you think about or are those all integrated for you? I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that balance is one of my strong suits. (laughs) Um, I have a tendency of pushing a little harder than most people probably should. Uh Um, But, you know, like I said, this has become a very deep passion of mine that creates a lot of drive. So Uh there hasn't necessarily been a huge amount of balance, but no, I I think the way that a lot of it worked was, you know, I got involved in the business side initially, had gotten at least, you know, relative degree of success there where I could hire people to do a lot of the functions and I could start to divert more attention into a lot of the political work. And so for a number of years, the majority of my time was actually focused on politics and public education. And I was still involved in the business side, but wasn't having to put as many hours in there. Mm-hmm. But then after we had made enough progress and been able to grow those organizations and bring more people in that had additional talent, then it allowed me to start to take a little bit of a step back from the political side, having other people that were in place to be able to continue to move a lot of those balls forward. And you know, then I started to shift attention into more of the business side and building larger organizations that allowed us to both directly serve more people and help through what the businesses did, but also in having larger organizations have some of the additional resources to better fund and support a lot of the ongoing political and public education work. Mm -hmm. 
So it's kind of shifted over time. And now at this point, you know, definitely much more of my time and attention goes into the business side mm-hmm. with a lot of the other elements just sort of baked into the nature of how we do business. You know, yeah. I feel like particularly yeah. in, I mean, generally in most industries, a cause and a mission that's attached to what you're doing is important, but particularly in an industry like this, where the whole basis of it becoming increasingly legal is its ability to provide profound benefit for people. And then recognizing the kind of hard fought struggle that so many people have been in for decades now trying to change its legislative status. Like if you don't have a lot of the mission oriented elements built into the nature of how you're doing business, it feels like there's sort of a disconnect from what is the fundamental culture and heart of this industry. Yeah. Uh, and I think with cannabis specifically, because there is so much going on and it has such, the thread is woven so much into the social issues, political issues that you can't help but have, or I think you, it's, it's somewhat necessary for most cannabis companies to have some kind of stand, position, angle, perspective on, on some of these issues if they're, gonna, if they're really going to engage well in the industry. So tell us on the business side, so kind of give us the litany of things that you're working on now and then we can kind of go through them and, and talk about in more detail. I mean, I, you've got your fingers in a couple of different pies. Tell us about the pies that you're working on. Yeah, well, I think within the industry, you know, outside of some of the political stuff, what I'm probably most known for is having helped co-found and then been the CEO of Mankind Dispensary in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mankind is one of the highest grossing dispensaries in the country. Mm -hmm. And despite it being very small, it's physically a little under a thousand square feet. Yeah, Uh, We've developed some pretty unique ways in which we approach the sales process and, and how we do customer engagement that has provided for an experience that people just really enjoy and want to keep coming back to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been a very deep focus of mine for about six years now, I think it was Mm -hmm. since we started working on that. And then while that's been getting built up, I've also been working on uh, another cannabis startup in the background that's hopefully getting ready to go to market relatively soon. We'll be doing additional retail locations, but then we're also doing a heavy focus on innovative product um, with a core focus on being able to have real efficacy in terms of different medicinal areas, as well as being able to provide some really unique experiences in terms of recreational applications. So outside of this industry, I also am the CEO of a nutraceutical company called Neurohacker. Mm -hmm. And Neurohacker is a it's an R&D focused company that does product development towards human optimization. And we've spent you know, a number of years and quite a lot of resources building out a scientific model that is based on complex system science and allows us to understand how human physiology works at incredibly deep levels and then understand how to be able to make meaningful improvements within that. Mm-hmm. And so as we're working on the development of this company, Humanity, I'm taking a lot of the same concepts and research that we've been doing for a number of years on that side and now being able to pair that with the use of cannabinoids and terpenes. And it allows us to create these complex formulas that have really powerful use applications in different areas. So like on the medicinal side, we've developed formulas for improving cognitive function, for improving sleep, as well as being able to support mood, particularly around things like reducing stress and anxiety. 
mm-hmm. um, on the recreational side, we we're in development on it, but like we'll be launching a line of vaporizers, for instance, where we're combining different cannabinoids with various different kinds of psychoactive botanical extracts. And because of the background that we have, we essentially know how to use chemistry to induce particular states of mind. And so rather than somebody coming in and buying a vaporizer that's for like a particular strain, they get to come in and buy an experience, right? So there'd be one that's oriented around deep relaxation or around just having joy and giggling all night or arousal or things like that. But essentially whatever psychological state that people want to experience through the right applications of science, we have the ability to create that in ways that are healthy and don't have any long-term negative associations. Mm -hmm. So that's an area that I've been putting quite a bit of time and attention on over this last little while, both in terms of working with the science team to do the product development and all the brand development, also working on the fundraising efforts to be able to bring all of that to market. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, do you see, um, do you see cannabis as just like one more thing that you can use in your toolbox of nutraceuticals, you know, molecules that you can to, to then drive certain, you know, states. No, I'm not sure exactly how to describe, you know, impacts, effects on people. I mean, I guess, do you see cannabis as really, really unique or is it from just, it's like one of many things that you, you kind of have in your toolbox to create the products that you create? It's a great question. I tend to think of it sort of as both. Like overall, I would say I think of it as an, yet another ingredient that there's an opportunity to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but cannabis is unique in how broad its impacts are. Yeah, you know, I mean, with there being so many different cannabinoids and each one having uniquely different medicinal effects, and then also being able to study and work with the pairing of different cannabinoids, its use case is far broader than pretty much any other plant that I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, to me, in an, in an ideal scenario, this is a big advancement that will start to unfold within the cannabis industry over the coming years is it'll start to be used as one of many ingredients that are being put together in formulas to take products deeper into particular areas. Because mm-hmm. like, obviously, most people, at least on this podcast, are well aware of a lot of the medicinal effects of cannabis. Right? Yeah. It's useful in addressing anxiety and insomnia and all these kinds of things. But with the right pairings of other kinds of ingredients, it can be notably more so because you can work with the synergistic effects to enhance particular qualities or to diminish particular qualities. And so I think that that's going to be a major evolution that we're going to start to see, particularly as there starts to be more crossover between nutraceutical industry and the cannabis industry. Yeah. It's interesting because I think I've seen and this may be somewhat of an overgeneralization, but I've seen kind of two camps around a lot of this. On one hand, there's this camp that says, you know, there are things, there's an end result that we want to achieve in terms of a combination of cannabinoids and terpenes and things like that. And and so we're going to kind of through sort of the cultivation process and through uh, the nursery process, you know, figure out how to create new cultivars that have these properties and then we're going to grow them and process them and people are going to use them. The other one says, well, no, it's really, we need to understand all these different sort of molecules and then we'll produce in various ways. I mean, I've even heard of people using uh, 
you know, getting terpenes from non-cannabis sources, you know, fruits and vegetables that have these, you know, hops and things that have these terpenes and then we'll produce them that way, get the terpenes. And it's really about creating a library of these molecules that then we can combine in a more kind of nutraceutical way to create these effects. I mean, do you, do you see, I'm curious if you see the kind of these camps or how this is playing out for you when you look at how the industry is going to develop from a kind of agriculture and production point of view, if you see a, a path there? Yeah. When you look at the medicinal side of that, I think there's a fine balance that has to be paid attention to because, you know, like if you look on the nutraceutical side of things, because that's a much more established industry that's been around for a lot longer, most all of it started with either whole plant or started to then get into whole plant extracts. And then over time, as things got further and further refined, then there started to be extraction methodologies developed to isolate just particular compounds within a plant. And then that would start to be used in products. And there are places in which that kind of work is really important and really powerful, but it often takes away from, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, sort of the innate wisdom of nature. Yeah. Um, and plants tend to develop for very clear reasons where it's not like there's a specific compound in there that is the most beneficial. Oftentimes it is the synergy of the different chemicals interacting with each other. And so mm-hmm. things starting to get too isolated or too heavily focused on a particular, you know, like in this case, cannabinoid, I think has both pluses and minuses. There are really powerful applications for isolations but I tend to think that that is done overly broadly and without enough thought of what the then missing synergies are. Yeah. And like you already see this in cannabis, right? There was, there's been a THC or just CBD, mm-hmm. but then you look at the studies showing the entourage effect where those are notably more impactful when they have trace elements of other cannabinoids present. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there will just be a lot more to learn as new both cultivation methodologies are developed and extraction methodologies are developed on where that sort of fine balance is. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, because I think some of this is driven by kind of the market in terms of who is using cannabis, what are they looking to do with cannabis and kind of how you craft products and, and kind of the experience around them. I mean, I think one of the things that I've tried to kind of focused on or I've been looking a lot into in the, in the last year or so is how do we, as a cannabis industry, innovate on products when we've got lots of new people coming into the market and that, that have quite different needs, quite different kind of backgrounds, mindsets, perspectives, you know, around cannabis? What's your what's your thinking in terms of product strategy when you look at customers and segments and you know, where do you see the interesting opportunities? Where do you see the interesting markets? How are you kind of approaching this strategically? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely speaking to an interesting topic because when I look at how a lot of product companies in the space develop product, it seems to be focused less on an analysis of what the actual market need is and more on what their individual passion is. And you know, so you'll see certain people who just really love super potent extracts. And so we'll start to develop products that are oriented that way, but without mm-hmm. necessarily being attuned to like, is that where the primary need within the industry is? Yeah. And obviously it's important to develop things that you have a personal interest and passion around, but I do think there's not enough emphasis on studying the market and studying what people are actually needing, both yeah. in terms of what they are aware that they need, as well as sort yeah. of your own conceptualizations on what things are going to become needed in the near term and then starting to develop ahead of schedule. Yeah. So I, I think that... As this industry continues to grow and becomes a little bit more developed, like 
industries that have been around longer, you're going to start to see things more like focus groups and more like traditional market analysis being done. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something that I've tended to always do, sometimes in more formal ways and often in less formal ways, but you know, just really looking at the crossover between cannabis and other industries. And so like following closely, what are the trends in health overall? And then how can cannabis play into that? And then looking at product development from that perspective. Yeah. And so whether that's getting deep into the medicinal side of things, or, you know, if somebody's an edible producer and you're starting to look at the growing trends of things like keto or paleo, and then how would you potentially develop edibles that are applicable for those dietary protocols, things like that. But I, th- I think it's time to stop thinking about cannabis as such an isolated industry yeah. because it, it already isn't, right? It's already gone relatively mainstream. It's, there's obviously a lot more mainstreaming to occur, but it's, it's already relatively far down that path. And as it continues, you know, there's high probability that over the next decade or so, Cannabis will start to be available not just in dispensaries, but in pharmacies or maybe even health food stores or you know various different kinds of outlets. And so starting to look at it from a broader perspective and how do you do product development, how do you do brand development, et cetera, in a way that starts to incorporate cannabis more into normal life. Mm-hmm. No, and let's let's talk about that kind of experience thing that we were talking about at the beginning, because I think I mean, as, as an architect, originally I was trained as an architect, so I always love kind of thinking through like how are people actually going to use this thing like the whole idea of program the whole idea of what is the user or the customer experience talk to me a little bit about what you've learned in from the dispensary to the work that you're doing now with the product development and how do you think about customer experience and what do we mean by customer experience you know is it does it uh, i'm assuming you know we could talk about everything from kind of the kind of the package design and how people interact with the product itself to the purchasing process the retail process to you know where do you i guess what do you mean when you talk about the experience design and what are you focusing on and how are you approaching it strategically? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the primary lenses that I've kind of always focused on within the industry is what is the user's experience and how do we make that as pleasant and beautiful as possible, but also how do we make that as normal as possible, right? Trying to take away some of the stigmas of the cannabis industry by having the sales process be one that feels increasingly normal, like what people would experience in other kinds of businesses that they're already accustomed to. And that can start to take away from the element of people feeling like they're doing something wrong by coming into a dispensary. You know, I I sort of lucked out in the sense that the first dispensary I opened was about a block away from Qualcomm headquarters. And, you know, right in kind of the heart of the biotech industry here in San Diego. And that wasn't intentional. That just happened to be the first place I could get a lease that would work for cannabis. Um, But what that ended up doing was it meant that on that first location, most of my customers were biotech engineers and software engineers at Qualcomm and other surrounding companies. And so I... I had a different kind of consumer than most dispensaries did, where they were largely a little bit older, they were more professional, mm-hmm. and that started to give me a lens early on into what were the kinds of things that that group of people were interested in, because it was clearly sort of the direction the industry was moving in, right? It wasn't going to mm-hmm. stay just 20 and 30-something-year-old people that were had a predominant focus on getting high, it was going to start mm-hmm. to move more broadly. And so, you know, there, not necessarily intentionally, but for a lack of budget, like we didn't have huge security gates everywhere. We had a very open atmosphere that 
you know, had windows overlooking beautiful scenery and and I got to hear commentary over and over again from people that were walking in saying, oh, you know, I've been to other dispensaries and this is the first time that I've ever felt safe. This is the first time I've ever felt like I wasn't doing something wrong or like I wasn't a criminal. And a lot of that was the commentary on not having to walk past multiple armed guards and not having gates and chains everywhere. And so it started to give me insights into the fact that there are ways of creating experience that make coming into a dispensary, for instance, much more comfortable and much more appealing. Yeah. And so over time, we just started to really pay attention to that and look at how we could increasingly design experiences that made people enjoy shopping and made them feel comfortable and do away with all of the sort of criminal element that can often be felt. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, when we built out Mankind, we developed an entirely different sales process for the floor than what had been done at the time. Right, like mm-hmm. for almost every dispensary that I had ever gone into, and even still to this day, most of the time when you walk in, there there's some kind of bar or counter, and all of the product is sort of behind that. The employees are behind it, and then the customers are on the other side. Yeah, and yeah. whether people intend to or not, that still has a certain implication that oh, if you're interested in cannabis, it must mean that you're a criminal or a thief and therefore we've got to keep it out of your reach. we got to keep you at bay, yeah. Right? And and that doesn't feel good. Like, even if people aren't consciously aware of it, there is yeah. this, there's a felt sense that I'm not trusted. And so it, it has, I think, a damaging effect in that way. And then beyond that, it also creates for a really limited shopping experience because now that requires a one-to-one interaction between the customer and the employee where, you know, the customer is going to walk up and it's only once they get to the counter that they actually get to see the products, ask questions. And if it's a busier dispensary, you've got a line of people behind you. And so there's the sense of pressure to move through really quickly, which doesn't provide for a very nice experience. So when we built out Mankind, we just did an entirely different approach. And we had, you know, well before this was actually a mandate in the industry, we had all of the product fully prepackaged and was out on the floor where customers could just come up and touch it, you know, look at packaging, grab what they wanted, and walk up to a point of sale counter. And it so it started to create an experience that was much more like what you would have if you were to walk into a Nordstrom's or a CVS or any other kind of a business where it started to make it feel more normal for people. But not only did it make it feel more normal, it also provided for this flexible kind of shopping experience that improved the way that it felt for almost everyone. Because your really experienced customers that knew exactly what they wanted, they never have to get weight stuck in in a line or standing in line, right? They just get to walk in in a line or yeah. standing in line, right? They just get to walk in, grab yeah. a few items there, and they're complete in just a few minutes. So it's a better experience for them. And then your new customers who don't really know what they're looking for and need to ask a million questions, they have that opportunity because they're not holding up a line, right? So they can read all the packages they want. They can ask the cannabis consultants that are on the floor as many questions as they want. And if they want to spend 45 minutes before deciding what they're purchasing, they can do that without it causing any problems. And so just all around that created a notably better shopping experience that caused people to really enjoy it and want to keep coming back and build a lot more customer loyalty. And so it's things yeah. like that is, you know, tends to be the primary way that I think about the industry is questioning all of the base assumptions that we've always had. Right? Like there are a lot of things that have been done in the industry a certain way, just because that's how it started. And then everyone just sort of replicated what was started. 
but I find it really valuable to sit back and take the time to think about, is this actually the most valid way to do something, or is there a better way that just hasn't been thought about before? And doing all that through the lens of how do we make the customer journey as exciting and comfortable as we possibly can, and then translating that into everything from you know how a dispensary floor layout is set up, but all the way down to like how you do your marketing. And if you've got the capacities and the resources to do it, don't market to everyone the exact same way because not everyone has the same interests, right? Start to learn about being able to segment out your marketing and... Mm-hmm have more emphasis on high-end flour for the customers that you know have that interest and have more emphasis on edibles for the customers that have that interest. And you know, like, there's ways of being able to curate people's experience at every touch point, all the way from initial advertising through in-store experience, all the way through any kinds of follow-up that occur, that you can just start to make it an increasingly pleasant experience where people then don't really have a drive to go anywhere else. And that's been one of my core focuses is how do we make it so that once a customer comes in, they have a very low degree of motivation to go out to other dispensaries again. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's, uh, you know, having, like I said, been an architect and then been in user experience design and technology side for many years, It's these are, you know, developing personas and looking at use cases and kind of figuring out how to build flows and stuff around this is, you know, it's, there's process and there's strategies there. It just hasn't been applied to cannabis yet. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how this kind of develops as people get more strategic about, yeah, their marketing and their, you know, kind of customer segmentation and then the, the whole design, you know, everything from the retail, you know, the, like you said, the, the messaging to the retail detail to the product, you know, and cycling back through that, the repeat purchase and stuff. So yeah, it's a really interesting industry. James, this is about a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the companies, what's the best way to get that information? Um, I think some of the best resources would be going to mankindcannabis.com. That gives all the information on the company there. Um, mm-hmm. Humanity, we actually don't have the website fully up yet. We're in development around that right now. Okay. As far as me, I would say you know LinkedIn is a, a good place to find me and connect. I tend to be a little slow on responses there because I do get a lot of inbounds, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, it's a good connection opportunity. And then if anyone's interested in seeing that documentary that we put together some years yeah. back, that's still available online for free at marijuanamovie.org. And some of it is, you know, like there's obviously much more research that's come out since 2011. So there's mm-hmm. a lot more that could be there than is. But at the time, it was, you know, pretty much the most comprehensive and sort of best understanding of the medicinal uses of cannabis that there was. And so I think there's still a lot of powerful information in there for people who are trying to quickly get up to speed on what the benefits are and, you know, start to think about ideas on how they could utilize that. Yeah, no, it's, and it's a great uh, it's a great piece. I'll make sure that the the links to that to your LinkedIn profile for the company and everything to the dispensary are all um, on the show notes, so people can click through get that information. James, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Yeah, this was great. I appreciate you taking the time as well. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes. Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.